The term passionate is a word thrown around and overused. Mountain life has become a hashtag for wannabe influencers. These words can overshadow and diminish the incredible people who actually live, work and play in the mountains. They have remarkable stories to tell and I'm on a mission to find them. I'm Ashley Pettit and this is the Beyond the Mountains podcast. This episode was a long time coming, but it was worth the wait. It was a lot of fun catching up with my friend today, JB Butard. He doesn't fit into just one thing. Like many people in the mountains, he wears many hats. His day job, for the want of a better word, is he works in aviation. He splits his time between the mountains of Canada and France. In Canada, he's a helicopter pilot working as a gun for hire wherever the best work is from gas and oil to forestry and commercial. In France, he's part of the ground crew for a helicopter business that transports all sorts of equipment deep into the hard to access mountains of France. But he's also a ski guide, ultralight pilot, flying clients over the mountains and a budding micro brewmaster with his brother, just to name a few. This was a fun interview filled with lots of great stories about his life in the mountains. If you want to go flying with JB over the French Alps, you can connect with him on his Facebook page, Morian ULM Winter. But enough of the intro, I know you're going to enjoy this just as much as I did. So let's start the intro music, get on with the show, Alonzi. Hello, my name is uh, JB as Jean-Baptiste and uh, I'm a ski teacher ski guide, helicopter pilot, airport manager, and this is my mountain life. All right, you ready? I am ready. All right, let's do it. Oh, yeah. JB, thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome. My pleasure. Big pleasure. Hey, so um, tell me where we are because uh, we're in the middle of a renovation. Where are we? (laughs) We are. We are in my uh, family home. I grew up in this home uh, with my brother and my parents uh, in Bramont. Uh, and uh, through the years, I just uh, start to uh, renovating it as yeah. I uh, own it now. So, so I'm, uh, I'm making my home base here. Right and now. where is Bramont? Tell, tell listeners where Bramont is. Uh, Bramont is a nice uh, little uh, village in the Valsony uh, community. So it's one of the five villages of uh, Valsadi, yeah. which is uh, like a ski resort in uh, the Haute-Maurienne. Yeah, the Haute-Maurienne. In Savoie, the Haute-Maurienne, yeah, the wild Haute-Maurienne. So, yeah. And we're, and we're deep in the French Alps here. It's on the Italian border. That's a pretty cool spot, yeah. yeah. Very close to the Italian border, uh, very close to the National Park of Vanoise and uh, so many uh, yeah, wild range of But mountains. there's a pretty good history of Bramon here. It's got the, the Hannibal Trail too. Tell us a bit about oh. that. <laughs> Come on! I'm bad with history, but uh, <laughs> apparently, yeah, there is a few uh, a few stories uh, saying that uh, some uh, some that Hannibal took a pass just uh, just above Bramont to reach uh, the Po, uh, the Plaine du Po, yeah. in, uh, in the Torino area uh, with his uh, elephants. So yeah, that's a pretty crazy story. story. Yeah, awesome story. Yeah. But you and your brother Fred, because Fred's coming on the show next when he comes back from I think Sweden. So yeah, yeah, if you can catch him, you might catch <laughs> good him. luck. But you and Fred, you grew up here in uh, Bramon. You t- you're telling yep. me before. So tell me about life in, in Bramon. Wow, that's, uh, that's kind of a dream life. Like you are right, uh, right uh, in the outdoors, right in the nature, and uh, many, uh, many friends to go uh, mountain biking and skiing and doing a lot of climbing, rock climbing. Uh, that's a pretty cool place because there's everything that we need uh, for outdoors right at the foot of your door. So yeah. that's pretty cool. But why don't more people know about this place? This is the thing because I, we keep it secret. I know this is the thing I want to talk about with some of my friends. He's like, we love this place, but no one knows about it. Uh, I think it's pretty simple. It's just that it didn't it didn't evolve as uh, same as Tarentaise Valley, for example, which is uh, not a bad example. Yeah, uh, it's just like. Uh, People invested in uh, in Tarentaise maybe uh, 40 years ago, a bit faster than in Morienne, and uh, we didn't have the same uh, uh, development plan. I would say, yeah, that's my guess. I'm not, uh, you know, uh, yeah, but I'm not part, part the of this. Secret but, uh, is pretty. It's pretty special secret. Yeah, exactly. So more and more people are coming to Morian, which is cool. But uh, we 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 
we also have a pride that it's kept a bit, uh, not secret, we can't tell that, but like a bit uh, wild and a bit uh, more uh, uh, quieter than yeah, some it's of the pretty places. Yeah, it's an authentic valley, an authentic yeah. ski resort yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. A lot but of history with the with the mountain pass connecting to Italy and to Tarentes, so a lot of history about that. And uh, But uh, yeah, no. And uh, how's it changed over this time? The changes? Yeah. I think it's slow, which is cool. <laughs> yeah. We... we we make good uh, good improvement on the ski resorts, w which is needed, right? Yeah. Uh, improving the the, the 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 ski lifts and uh, the ski area, make it better, make it a bit bigger, uh, respecting all the the borders with the national park and uh, and not making it like a amusement park. But yeah. uh, but we need to uh, to change some ski lift and stuff. So the the ski resorts are uh, following the change, I would say, yeah. which is cool. But uh, the village stays. Uh, Authentic, so yeah, that's well, nice. Pretty authentic villages though, from Bramon, Tourmignon, Lanzabal, Lanzavala. Yeah, so it's exactly. every village, or even after uh, Bonval. Bonval, yeah. But Bonval, yeah. a bit different, isn't it? It's different, yeah. It's a, it kept really. Uh, yeah, really but also the people, and uh, they want to be different from the rest yeah, of France. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. So tell me about growing up. Um, you would have been, I know you, but you would have been one of the kids who just spent his life outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Winter, uh, I can start with winter. Yeah. Winter was well, really... Well, winter's uh, coming, so let's yeah, start exactly. with winter. Yeah, exactly, yeah. No, basically the winter were crazy. Like, uh, we would ski every days we are not at school. Uh, we would take the ski bus, uh, as I said before, uh, because we didn't have a driving license, so we would just jump on the ski bus who was collecting everybody from uh, Modane to uh, to uh, Valsigny and jump on the ski bus at 8.30, yeah. Uh, go to the resort at nine when uh, when it's opening and just ski like crazy until five. The ski patrols would have to kick us out because <laughs> we would still keep skiing until seven. You know, yeah. like it, it was a, it was really good. No, no lunch stop, no nothing. Like just skiing the powder for 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 eight hours a day and coming back home and wanted to do the same the next day. So Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday, that was. The only thing we would do. Yeah, because Wednesdays, uh, you don't have school yeah, Wednesdays school here in France. Off, school yeah. Off. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we would go skiing with the school too, which is good when you're a kid uh, growing in the mountains because you have a lot of uh, programs with the school that brings you to ski with ski uh, teachers and uh, go cross country, go alpine skiing with your school. So that was even more skiing. Yeah. Some weekdays sometimes. <laughs> so. But you were telling me the. What, what, how many, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, the resorts changed a lot. Valsonese changed. Uh, drastically. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely crazy. Yeah, that was a lot quieter, a lot uh, wilder, uh, less uh, ski ski lift, less uh, ski runs. So a lot of areas that now uh, have some, some runs that was uh, totally... Uh, Virgin. So we would, I remember crossing the whole resort from one side to the other side just to go ski a forest. And now there's maybe five uh, chairlift in between that was not there before. Wow. So, so the, I'm not old, as I said, but uh, I, I can feel the change uh, for now 15, 20 years when I was like 15, 16 years old. I was yeah. only, and we would feel with a group of teenagers, the only one in the ski resort, there was maybe a few, a few local people skiing the, the piste. And a few local guys uh, skiing the piste and uh, off piste was not very famous at the time for the local people for some reason. There was yeah. only a group of 10, 15 people uh, going crazy on the resort and we would feel that we would we were the only one. Yeah, but sometimes you can still feel that. It has to be early in the morning. It has to be early <laughs> in the morning or in a secret spot that you have to hike to yeah. go to, right? That's why uh, cross, um, uh, hiking is start to be popular now to, to get away from the crowd, right? In every ski resort in the world. But, uh, but that was a pretty cool feeling to be able to not rush, go skiing at 10 in the morning and still be the only one. Uh, only like, one with uh, fresh tracks. Only one with fresh tracks, Re seriously. And going up and down and making your your own tracks uh, all day with nobody around. So that's a feeling that uh, that uh, that was a uh, very good to have for sure. Yeah. And where was your favorite place to ski back then? Mm. Was it still a secret? It's, it's still a secret, but no, most likely above Lance Le Villard in the forest above Lance Le Villard. Oh, above the, uh, Plan Carna. Yeah, in the steep forest there. Yeah, I built this chairlift actually. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we'll get to that because yeah. I. I have to. Uh, I like playing Karana, but I want to get to playing Karana when I can ski off piste. I can only ski on the piste yet, so that's my. I'll bring you. Yeah, that's I'll my lesson there. is to go off piste. 
Um, what about skiing now? Where do you like to ski here in the in the Haute-Maurienne? Because uh, you've skied from you've you've skied from Bonval all the way through to Lenorma, Valfregius here in this region. Yeah, we, 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 and I uh, I did open a ski school in uh, Orel, which is uh, connected to Val Yeah. So I skied a lot in uh, Orel, further down the valley, and uh, developing the ski the, the off piece skiing with uh, with clients as a ski school or a guide school, uh, guide, guide mountain guide um, office. We we have the the chance to to go everywhere. That's the that's the motivation we have to not ski for a week in the same resort. So we we go everywhere. So one day we follow the the good conditions. So one day it can yeah. be Valfrejus, one day it can be in Osua, one day it can be in in Bonval, and uh, then uh, that's opening uh, a, a lot a whole lot of possibilities. Yeah, exactly. But. I think we stay pretty simple. My favorite place are still the the one I uh, I used to ski when I was a teenager. Seriously, I yeah. don't try to invent anything. It's like when I'm alone with no clients and I have a, a little bit of free time. It's not very uh, not very often these days. These days, but uh, I exactly go where I was uh, skiing when I was a teenager. The same forest, the same lines. Yeah. And now it start to be a bit more discovered by other people, so <laughs> I have to hike a bit more, and uh, and that's a good. Uh, a good emulation with all the guides and all the ski guides because we share a good place to go and uh, now we start to, to hike more than just using the chairlist as we did when we were younger because we didn't do a lot of... Uh, yeah, there weren't many chairlists back then. No. So uh, so now we, we mix both of uh, resort skiing and hiking, you know, like, uh, like uh, randonnée. So, and has the equipment changed much over the years? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you you can you splitboard too now, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You, you do ski, ski, telemark, telemark, snowboard, snowboard, splitboard. Yeah, you do all of them. Yeah, I do all of it. I I uh, I gave up skiing actually since three years now. Wow. Yeah. It's uh it's I think it's just like through the life, you know. You you want to 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 telemark and you don't want to listen about any other things for three years and then you go back to ski yeah. and. Then, so it's just some change uh, because you you want them because you want to uh, to go back to like for example snowboard. Uh, we used to snowboard a lot with Fred and Victor, like crazy. Yeah. And uh, and, and for some reason we just stopped it for ten years, twelve years, fifteen years for some uh, of them. And uh, since the the equipment is evolving, we start to uh, because we love to hike. We start to oh splitboard. It's nice because we can snowboard and still hike in the mountains. So we start. We started to do that again, and then now it's been three years that uh, me and Fred almost didn't touch a pair of ski anymore, and it's fun. It's yeah. gonna be that like uh, I don't know, maybe for another five years, and then back to ski. And uh, and you can you do a bit of camping out in the in the winter too. Yeah, when you, when you do your touring. Yeah, that must be a pretty cool experience. It's very cool. There's a there's actually a lot of good technique to learn to to camp in the winter, and we have the chance to have a, a few guys from the valley. Uh, traveling to Scandinavia or to Canada and to spend some time with locals there and we bring back some knowledge yeah I want to do this one about day, so, yeah. uh, skiing and staying in a, in a little uh, warm tent with a little stove mini stove with a little piece of food and, and you're warm and you're, you're having a blast yeah. It's, uh, so yeah we start to do kind of things like that, like that oh yeah. okay I think that's uh, that's on one of my that's on my list to do in the future. Ah, you're welcome. We're gonna do some more this winter. Oh, I saw so. some of the things you did last winter. Yes, so, that was uh, pretty cool. That was uh, the situation made uh, everything was closed, so yeah. we still had the, the freedom to go everywhere we wanted. So we we invented some other way of spending time in the mountains and, and staying there. And uh, yeah, what about summer? What's your uh, what's your summer sports and activities? Myself, uh, I'm. I, I never oh, been a, too busy. <laughs> no, I never been a climber too much. I like uh, rock climbing, but very easy stuff. Uh, I'm not a guide, so I did a lot of with 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 Fred and, and other friends. But uh, uh, summer activities for me is more like uh, mountain biking. Yeah, and I'm lazy, so I use uh, e-bikes nowadays. Yeah, before you would have used a, a, a yeah, the original yeah. mountain bikes. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, the one with no suspension <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, exactly. The old bikes. That was the good old days. Uh, but uh, no, summer is. I'm more into the aviation, which is a sport too. Yeah. You, you can consider it as a sport because it's very, uh, it's very uh, powerful to fly. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's it's a, it's a good activity. 
hang gliders with uh, with engine and stuff. So yeah, but if you, the 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 wind conditions here in the Haute Morin are pretty difficult. So if you can fly here, you must be a pretty good pilot. That's what we said uh, in Solier here, where the airport is. That if you learn to fly in Solier, you can fly everywhere. Yeah, and yeah. tell me tell me about the flying here, because it's only a small small little aerodrome. Yeah, so. This aerodrome is a very good story. It's been uh, it's been uh, built by uh, people from the Onera. You know what is the Onera? No. It's the National Office of Research and Aerospatial, roughly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so they uh, they installed a big uh, wind uh, turbine in uh, in Modan. Yeah, I've seen the wind turbine. Yeah, the, this big tunnel to 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 do a lot of uh, research about uh, you know like aerospatial and. Uh, and uh, fluids and stuff. So yeah, they, they test even, even uh, the wind resistance with rockets yes. and wings of they airplanes. Take, uh, and it's very. Uh, it's a very technical. Big it's very technical, <coughs> and it's uh, it's like uh, very well known in France and in the world. Yeah. Like we have uh, we have uh, we have a uh, plane. Uh, uh, planes like full scale in this turbine. Uh, they they have a military secret, top secret stuff. It's and it's here in our valley, and nobody yeah, knows. No it. one knows it. Yeah. So the story is uh, those guys. They were fond of uh, aviation, obviously, and a few of them uh, they decided to to create uh, an airfield in Morien to be able to to fly. Yeah. And, uh, so they uh, they talk with the community. They they start to have the, those fields in Solier, which was the the flattest spot in the, in the valley. <laughs> I know it's the flattest. And a lot of a uh, lot of work to um, <clears throat> to flatten it and uh, and to make the airfield uh, uh, here. And it was just a group of uh, of those people. They had an instructor. They did like gliding with a winch. That was pretty crazy. Yeah. So they start to fly uh, just before the sixties. Yeah. And so on until now. And. Uh, and it's a small air club. Uh, we we do a lot of scenic flights nowadays for uh, tourists because there's more tourists in the in the area. We fly a lot of the local peoples too because they love to see it from uh, from the air. Yeah, so it, they start it, to to we start to add more and more people from from here, yeah. which is uh, which is pretty awesome. So I'm managing this airport with some of the guys, and uh, and uh, it's a good group of people flying all sorts of different machines. Yeah, helicopters. tell me about some of the machines you fly. We have a, what we call the trike, which is a hang glider, very comfy with an engine in the back. So you can uh, buzz around and it's not just going from up to down. You, you can really fly for hours. It's very cool because there's no cockpit. So you can really fly slow and low above the mountains, which is a very like a bird feeling. Yeah. We have uh, little planes that fly faster. You can go to the Mont Blanc. You can go to the Aiguille d'Arve, uh, which is a bit further. So you need to go faster, right? Yeah. But it's more like a plane. We have small helicopters, and uh, and yeah, that's it. So we can fly. Uh, we put the skis on in the winter, so we can uh, we can keep flying when the snow is covering the the runway. We have a little runway in Termignon, right in the ski resort uh, area. Ah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know already. Yeah, it's called an Alti Surface. Yeah, we we created that like uh, nine years ago. So now we can land right in the heart of the ski resort. And the people skiing in the in the area, they can just come and fly with us for twenty minutes, discover the Monsny Lake. Or you can't do heli skiing there, he can no. you? Because of heli the national park. Yeah. yeah, no, not just the national park. It's just because it's been uh, it's been forbidden since the eighties. Heli skiing, and a lot of people doesn't know that. Wow. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been uh, cancelled like uh, like in the eighties, and uh, since then. There's no heli ski in France. People, a lot of people doesn't know that. Yeah, because I mean, I watch all these ski movies in in. It's massive in the states and the US and and it's and it's a big uh, activity in Italy and yeah. Switzerland. That's why if you spend some time in some ski resorts close to the border, you can you can see a lot of yeah. No, Cedric takes he takes clients and they yeah. go, if they really want to go sk- yeah. heli skiing, they have to go to Italy. Yeah, you go to Ulks. <laughs> There's a base station there, or to Col du Saint Bernard, which is a uh, the border with France uh, from Tarentaise and. Uh, but you, you know what? It's 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 cool like that. We don't uh, we don't really need that here. Yeah, and we keep quiet. We keep and people uh, if they want to heli ski, they go to some other countries, which is uh, fine by me. Even if I'm a helicopter pilot. Yeah, but you prefer you, you like the old school, the traditional ski touring, run and a. Yeah, you feel it's is. I think so. I yeah, see, I think so. I I think uh, don't give me wrong. I did some heli ski as a pilot in Canada. And I loved it because I'm a skier and I was very uh, exciting to drop people up to some mountains and look at them skiing down and pick them back up and very busy day. 
But that's a country where there's uh, there's nobody. You fly 10 minutes from a town and there's nobody, no cross, con- no, 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 no skiers, no, nobody. Yeah. So you don't disturb people. And that's why there's uh, more uh, opportunities for them to do a lot of heli ski. In France, in the Alps, it's too busy. So if you start to add heli ski to the resorts and to the people touring, which is massive nowadays, yeah. You're just gonna have troubles. Yeah. So, so okay. it's better than that, and it's good for people to exercise a bit. Yeah, we need to do more <laughs> exercising. So, uh, obviously, you've been flying for what? You've been flying here for a number of years now. How many years have you been flying? Uh, since I'm, uh, yeah, like roughly, I don't even remember as I told you, like maybe 19 or 20, and oh. I'm 43, so 20. Let's say over than 20 years of flying. Yeah. And so, how how did you get from just flying for for fun and pleasure here in the Morian to making your your career and your job? Uh, that's a long story, but we can make it short. Yeah, give me the short version. <laughs> the short version. Uh, beside skiing and, and learning to fly at the small air club when I was younger, I used to work in the, in the ski industry area, which is building chairlift and building, uh, you know, those uh, avalanche control devices. Yeah, the, um, the Gazex. Gazex, yeah. And the, the Avalex yeah. and all that stuff. So I was just working for a construction company as a worker, and we use helicopter every day. Because that's the only way to get the stuff in the mountains, yeah. the concrete, the the piece of steel, the the towers, the everything. So so it's like just a normal life to have a helicopter above your head all day, jump in the helicopter to go being dropped somewhere remote to do your job and come back at night. It's like a school bus, right? Yeah. Yeah. And after one year of that, I was like maybe eighteen years old. I I just uh, I just uh, I just said, wow must be cool to be a helicopter pilot. I'm already flying them some small planes. So yeah, let's try to, uh, to see how it goes. And, uh, and I collected a bit of money working hard and, uh, the obvious way, the short story is that it's cheaper to, um, to learn in, uh, in, in Northern States or Canada. So I just, uh, I just moved there for a few years. So that was the reason you, ha- that's how you got to Canada. Yeah, exactly. Canada was just random. I yeah. did, uh, it was just random. I fell in love with the country. I'm no uh, dual citizen. Yeah. But uh, that was absolutely random. Just a few friends of mine told me, yeah, go to Canada. Get your license in Canada. It's easier. And I never came came back. Yeah. It's not the case, but I I stayed. I was just about to go there for six months and maybe stay one or two years to to get get my hours and stuff. And I stayed 12 years commuting back and forth with friends. Yeah. So So that's your life. You fly fly in Canada… I'm flying commercially in, in Canada, Canada, and I'm uh, doing all all the other fun stuff in in Moyen. Yeah, and in here in the more in because uh, the the company you work work for is a big company in the in the French Alps, and they do work with all the resorts in the mountains. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then that's a part. Uh, thanks for reminding me because I I forgot this part of the story. Yeah. <laughs> then I got in a helicopter company, but as a ground crew. Yeah. And uh, and I uh, I started to rig loads to to get the the job ready on the ground, uh, driving fuel everywhere for the jobs and uh, getting to see how the pilots work and stuff. And I'm still doing that, managing uh, the commercial part uh, uh, and uh, and the logistic part of this uh, of this company. I'm I'm uh, and I'm still an employee of this company, maybe five months a year. So so that's a, that's a, that's a good chunk of it and uh that's where i started my career as uh, in the helicopter industry yeah the aerial work and uh, and and all that stuff yeah so is a tell me tell me about flying what how does it feel when you're flying well it's it's difficult to say you know like uh, most of the people they're going to say oh you feel freedom and stuff you can feel freedom everywhere yeah. i mean i just just the feeling of it the the i would more say that that it's really I really uh, uh, connect that with uh, skiing or driving a fast car or something like that. It's just the trajectory, uh, the, the the three-dimensional uh, motion. Yeah, because it's just the fun of it. It's like a big video game, and yeah. you're you're right into uh, into your your computer, and and you're living it. So so for me, it's it, it's just for the helicopter part. I do that for the challenge of the work because it's very difficult work to set uh, steel towers and fly. Yeah, concrete. it's very precise type it's of flying. It's very precise. It's a very special type of flying because you look down on your load, and uh, you have to to adapt with your body because you have no instrument. You just look at your load and look around, and and uh, it's a very special even for a helicopter pilot. It's very spe- specific task to to accomplish. And for uh, flying the microlight, 
uh, here in Solier, it's more, yeah, it's more like speed riding and uh, and three dimensional and uh, and experiencing the low level flying uh, with safety, of yeah. course. But uh, we have machines nowadays that can allow us to do uh, very uh, impressive stuff. Uh, and it's just the emotion it gives you. That's why I love flying. It's uh, it's nothing about freedom or something like that. It's just no, the, it's the emotion. A, yeah, it's an amazing emotion. And to finish, I think flying it's uh, is really cool for traveling too because you don't travel the same. You can be there in the morning and you can be in Corsica at eleven o'clock at the beach, right? Yeah, I know. And uh, or you, I can go uh, to have a lunch in uh, Chamonix. The, uh, Chamonix or the, the Hautes Alpes and come back in the afternoon. Yeah, and uh, that's a good feeling. That must be a good pickup line for all the girls. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I need to take up flying. <laughs> <laughs> I can teach you. But the the work you do in France, tell me about some of the the type of work. Because it's you work with a ski resort, you work with mountain refuges. Yeah, give me some. Tell me yeah. a bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely, it's uh, it's very various, very very various, and very busy. So uh, we basically do everything remote. So that can be power lines, dam inspection. Uh, avalanche control in the winter. We build new uh, chairlift and drag lift and 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 so on uh, in the summertime. So it's uh, it's months of work to build a chairlift. You start in uh, April and you finish in December. Yeah. With the helicopter because you fly all the concretes, all the loads. You set up the steel tower, you set up the cable, the, the wheels, everything. Everything is done by helicopter. Yeah, I've seen them when they building the 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 new one here in Valsigny. I, I was here. Yeah, I was on the towers. Okay. Well, you, I was working you, on the ground. And yeah. you're doing, uh, are you working at Oriel, the, the new yeah, lift at Yeah, Oriel? we just finished it like a few weeks ago, actually. Yeah. And uh, it was a huge job. We even have to uh, to bring a helicopter from Switzerland because ours was too small to, to lift the loads because it was over uh, four tons, 4,000 kilos. You told me about you. It's the Super Puma you had and you had to get a, tell me how big the Super Puma is and how big is that one from Switzerland? Bas- basically, the Super Puma is, uh, it can lift uh, four, roughly 4,000 4, kilos at the sea level. And we had to bring a Russian helicopter, <laughs> wow. which is called the Kamov. And this one can lift not not a lot, wall more, but it's making the difference in uh, in high altitude, maybe four point six or four point seven. Yeah, it's a big difference. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's half a ton. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we uh, so yeah, and we work with the mountain lodge. We bring the food, we bring down the garbage. We 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 fly for re- mountain rescue, avalanche control. We set up. Uh, we set up uh, nets uh, in in the cliffs above the roads because there's no crane possibilities. Uh, so that's a very exciting job because uh, from the morning, uh, from dawn to dusk, you can do maybe ten different jobs every day, like uh, flying concrete for a chairlift in the morning, flying for a mountain lodge uh, at noon, having lunch there, yeah. and then go back to another job with uh, with the power line guys uh, somewhere. And uh, so that's that's maybe why I don't. Uh, Never boring, is it? Uh, no, and then you, I can't stand a steady job like you do the same every day. I couldn't do that. I don't want to go back to a cubicle ever. No, no. no I, 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 I never done that. I never will. You never had an office job? <laughs> no, never. They yeah. tried to put me in an office a few years ago just to, to do a few you know phone calls and planification and stuff. I really liked it. I was good at it, but I couldn't stand being uh, you know like from Monday to Friday in an office. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. do that. And so, what's your job? How's tell me a bit more about Canada? How, where do you live in Canada, and what do you do in Canada? How did that? Yeah, I mean, you told me that yeah. you went to Canada to get, to get your license of flying. It was a bit, it's a bit easier. The restrictions and regulations is yeah. Uh, the is the license is easier uh, for a commercial helicopter pilots, and uh, and the, the the job opportunities are better for low time pilots. So that's why a lot of Europeans go there. Actually, lots of French, Swiss, Belgium, German. Uh, there's uh, maybe half of the pilots in Canada are not from Canada, or maybe they they they, they become Canadians after a few years like me. But uh, it's crazy how many foreigners are going to take that chance there. Yeah. So myself, no, I got really lucky because I went to a flight school on Vancouver Island, which is in British Columbia, and I fell in love with the with the area because it's uh, it's it's like Morienne with the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> so. And less cheese, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, I could manage that for for a while. So I did my schooling there and uh, made some friends and uh, and settled down there for 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 a while. And then, uh, when you're a young helicopter pilot in Canada, you have to 
what we call make a road trip to to go try to get some work. So yeah, you so take you your car around. and you drive <laughs> 5,000 kilometers and you go meet all the companies and introduce yourself. That's the way it goes in Canada. You don't, you don't just send a resume and wait. You have to go shake some hands and, yeah. and, and show, show your face to the people. So I, I drove across BC, Alberta, Yukon, Quebec, Manitoba. I, I drove everywhere in Canada, so that was a good way for yeah, me to discover learn, the yeah. country. And good for your English too. Yeah, because I didn't speak English at the time. <laughs> I learned English when I uh, when I was a ski instructor before, but just, you know, like, follow me, bend your knees. Yeah, yeah. ski instructors, if they know follow yeah, me, that's it. Yeah, follow me. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> so I really learned English, actually, when I did my flying school, because I had to learn. Yeah, it, it was, was in English. English yeah. I could I could have gone to Quebec, but I didn't want to because aviation. Yeah, I was going to so, ask you about no, that. Yeah. I I escaped Quebec <laughs> because it was just French people there, and uh, nobody wanted to speak English. Then you can only work in Quebec, which yeah. is stupid, because you close all the other provinces of Canada if you don't speak English. So I went to Vancouver area just for that, and then my first job was uh, up north in uh, northern BC which is uh, pretty flat, but I work for oil and gas industry, yeah. flying a small chopper in the wilderness. And then a few fire season, a few season in Quebec as well. So with this job, I was even luckier than a few Canadians because everybody that I was uh, meeting on my jobs, they said, oh, you're French, but wow, why did you fly? Blah, blah, blah. And I was always telling the same story. I've been flying to Quebec, I've been flying to Yukon, everywhere. And the Canadians themselves, they say, wow, you're so lucky because you see more of the country than me as a Canadian. Yeah. So I feel pretty fortunate because with this job, it's, uh, it's, been, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been just uh, pure luck to be able to, to, uh, to work in all the provinces of Canada, almost. Yeah. And so where are you based now? Where's, where's home in Canada for you now? There, there's no home in Canada anymore for me. No? I was I was based on Vancouver Island, and uh, but my base was a trailer. <laughs> nice, <laughs> yeah, behind a hangar <laughs> on an on an airport. So so that was my uh, so that was my uh, my base, and I still have uh, friends and almost people that I consider family there. So I can still move back there in a in a snap if I want. But uh, now that my base is back in France, I just commute for work over there, and uh, and I just. Uh, the helicopter industry is very challenging in Canada, and you work as a mercenary, you know? Yeah, mercenary, yeah. yeah. So you just, uh, you just uh, talk to some companies in the springtime and try to, to feel where you want to work, or maybe this year in the Yukon, maybe this year in the high Arctic, yeah. maybe somewhere. And you just choose, and if people uh, need pilots, you just go where the, the, best, the best offer. Yeah, that's exactly what, uh, what I'm doing right now, which is pretty cool because I can choose uh, almost... Where I, where I want to to fly and uh, and for example this summer the last summer I wanted to uh, to fly more technical jobs and I had an offer to go to fly on the Baffin Island and I said yes yeah. and then I left uh, my job in Vancouver and uh, coast to coast and uh, up up in the Arctic and uh, and I did a season up there and uh, so that's the beauty of the job. What's uh, what's the similarity between Canada and France? Uh, that's a good question. That's pretty, <laughs> that's tricky. Similarity, uh, beer. Yeah. <laughs> no, similarity. Uh, I don't think there is lots. It, uh, I think it's, uh, it's North America culture. Uh, the similarity are maybe the wilderness, uh, but it's even more powerful there and uh, less people. Uh, I always compare a lot of things and I start to not do that anymore. So, uh, so I don't know what to answer to this question. I don't think there's a lot of similarities, which is what I like. Yeah, because when I like. go there, I like some stuff. And then when I'm here, I like some stuff. So what do you miss when, from Canada? When, now that you're here in, in home, what do you miss about Canada? Oh, being not bothered by tons of people who are whining and uh, complaining and stuff. Because Canadians are very positive people, very... Uh, uh, very compliant, very positive, uh, very respectful. Maybe too much for a French guy who's always arguing and always, you know, we are a bit arrogant. Yeah. That's the reputation we have over there. But I really enjoy that. That's There's more room, the more uh, work uh, opportunities, more freedom about uh, 
doing something and not being pointed at. Yeah. So that's something that I really love over there. Yeah, because Erica told me, Erica, she's a ski, she's a ski patrol here. She did yeah. a season in New Zealand, and yeah. she said that the ski patrol team there was very encouraging and team orientated and like, yeah, great job you did today, Eric. Where she said here in Moria, and she doesn't feel that it's different. Yeah. And that's obviously what you're feeling in the, exactly the, the North same. American culture. I totally agree with her. It's a more uh, rewarding job. Rewarding, yeah. It's more rewarding and uh, they let you do stuff uh, way faster than in uh, in Europe where you have to be always the, the, the top-notch guys to be able to get to this position and to get this. And I'm kind of tired of that when I'm here. Unless in Canada, same for helicopter pilots. I did some stuff in Canada when I was like 200 hours of flying that I would maybe do here when I was 2,000 hours flying. Oh, wow. Uh, seriously, I'm not. Yeah. I'm. I'm not even exaggerating. So, so, uh, so that's very. That's very much why I keep part of half of my life over there because I need this balance. Uh, that's a. Uh, that's uh, that's a good point. What do you miss from of France when you're in Canada? Food. Yeah. <laughs> Easy one. <laughs> what what sort of food? Uh, whoa, cheese. Yeah, cheese is very expensive. It's like a mafia over there. It's uh, it's crazy expensive. It's not good. No, they start to have good cheese in Quebec because they, they no, still like have French. this. They still have this French culture, European culture of good food, but it's it's uh, it's super expensive. And uh, yeah, uh, I miss the um, spending hours at the table with friends. Canadian, they don't do that. No, no, they eat to fuel up and to go it, get no. the stuff done. So that's something that I don't like over there. Which, uh, in comparison to France, where you. You have a dinner. You you uh, you have uh, thousands of course, and and you spend hours to uh, to rebuild the world <laughs> over uh, over a beer or a bottle of wine. Well, let's talk about some of the French fruit here. What's your favorite? Tell me about some of the favorite cheeses. Uh, the blue cheese of uh, of, of uh, Terminal yeah. or, or or Bonval? Oh, both. Yeah, and uh, and some very strong goat cheese, the, the dry goat cheese, you know, and stuff like that. Ah, uh, so many. I can list you. Yeah, but, but uh, that, yeah, and uh, all the Italian cheese as well. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Parmesan. Yeah, yeah, and I'm a big uh, pizza fan. So I'm always happy when I'm back here because it's not the same. Uh, in We've Canada. got some good pizza holes here. It's, yeah. a, it's almost like we're in Italy sometimes. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. There's pretty some good stuff. What about here. Uh, Sebastian's? The, the best. Yeah. The best. Tell, tell everyone about Seba- Sebastian, his little pizza truck. Uh, that's, that's, that's so awesome. And I'm a bit jealous because I wanted an app like him yeah. to, uh, to distribute uh, some beers. That's my goal. <laughs> so driving so, yeah. around the village. And Seb has got this fantastic explain, idea. Yeah, explain Seb's setup and, and, and where, he, where he goes. Seb's setup is a small little Italian, uh, what, what can you say, a tricycle? Yeah, it's like a three-wheel truck, three-wheel mini truck. Mini truck. I can't remember the name of them. It's an app, Ape, you said, A-P-E. Ape. Yeah. Ah, app. And uh, he's alone in this little cabin, like a little scooter, and he's got his uh, he's got his oven on the back. Yeah, but it folds out. It's like yeah. a big uh, comes so a big tent. So he big... drives across uh, the main villages of uh, of Valsani. A uh, few times a week, and uh, local people, tourists, they can enjoy his, uh, the best pizza in the valley, uh, right uh, in the nature. Is is parking somewhere in a parking spot, and you go there with your bike, and you have a pizza. Yeah, but and he likes it's all authentic Italian ingredients. He yeah, buys it all because he's he's a he's a guy with taste. He doesn't want just to make a product to sell it and to make money. He wants to uh, to to make a good product. I think he's passionate about what he's doing. Yeah, and a, you can tell the difference. It's with, a bit like your beer, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> tell me about your beer. You're talking about authentic and uh, passions. Well, that's an, that's another project. <laughs> Looks like I'm not having enough projects. So, so it's all starting with traveling. It's always the same, you know, like opening your your uh, your mindset and and opportunities. I just I like beer. Yeah. Since very young, I don't know if it's good or not. <laughs> And uh, and traveling across Canada, it's just like a microbrewery beer country. So I was everywhere I was going, uh, even in a small uh, lost village, there was a microbrewery with very good beer. And I was like, why don't we do that in France? And now it's been yeah, it's a decade been- ago, right? 
So now it's it's growing very fast and evolving in France, which I'm really happy about. But uh, but like in uh, in Canada, I just got this idea like when I'm gonna have uh, some time, I'm, uh, I'm I want to brew beer uh, in uh, in France and make people uh, you know happy with with good uh, fresh product like with uh, water from the mountains and uh, good grains and stuff. And my brother, yeah, which is the 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 head of the of this project is uh, is the the brewmaster and, ah. and that's pretty funny to do that with your own family yeah but tell so, me about the beer so the beer we just we just uh, started to uh, Fred was starting to brew in Sweden where he lives now part of the the year and he actually developed a lot of uh, a lot I mean a few good recipe that is very strict about and 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 very steady. And I went there, uh, you know, to visit him and start to to brew with him. And is uh, is uh, uh, same as Seb with his pizza. Fred is very passionate about what he's doing and very serious. So, is the part of uh, of the technical part of that. And I'm more the, the tasting. The tasting, <laughs> not just that. No, <laughs> more. I'm bringing some new ideas that I cannot really tell you right now. It's yeah. a secret. But no, I'm I'm I. We brought some ideas from overseas to distribute and to enjoy the beer. It's not about the quality of the beer. We're not better than anyone else. It's just the way to serve it or to pack it, uh, yeah. give you a lead, right? <laughs> so but I can tell more. So so the beer story is only like, we love this, the product and uh, we just want to make some, not very professionally at the beginning, but who knows, you know, when we're going to be too old to ski, I'm just going to brew beer. Yeah. We'll see. And maybe get in the plane uh, if I can still do that and go do some aerobatics. And you started the brewery last year. Here. Yeah. Um, you did your first batch. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fred and I bought some equipment, semi-professional equipment uh, in Italy, actually, uh, 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 two years ago. And we start brewing in, uh, in the Valais. The only problem is that we don't have a, a place to brew right now yeah so we are like the gypsy brewers because we brew outside and uh, inside some uh, very well place so it's very creative yeah. but a lot of work we're not we're not having a setup like our friends in Oswa or, yeah, some good or in Modan yeah so and they have some awesome beers so with Fred we are more like like waiting to get uh, our own place to make a serious setup and to maybe uh, brew more because we've been brewing uh, a few batches which were really promising, but uh, but but we're not at the stage that we can offer you a beer every day of the year because we we drink it too fast, I guess. <laughs> I, don't <laughs> know, I, haven't, I haven't tasted it. Yeah, yet. exactly. Yeah, I'm ashamed. <laughs> I'm ashamed. No, so so that's another project, but more on the fun side. But semi-professional, why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. No, I mean the the my, the. Beer scene here is growing. When the guys at Uswa, I forget their names. What the what's the brewery? Beer Doe. Beer Doe. Yeah, which is the old name of Uswa. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, those guys are awesome. They they have some some extremely good beers. Uh, they're very same, very serious about the the, the, the brew process. Uh, they're not amateurs. They're very uh, and they're always trying to make new recipe, and which is awesome. It's like in the brew industry, even not professional or even professional people are not hiding secrets or not talking to each other like some people can do here they just share and yeah. then they like to drink some of the beers and they don't say their beers are the best you know and and uh, but those guys i can say that uh, like in the area they are one of the best oh, yeah for sure i'm gonna have to get up there and try them you should they have yeah. uh they are they, yeah, have they can tasting do tasting yeah three three times a week or something like that yeah 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 go yeah. there I haven't tasted the ones from Madan. Who's what's the guys from Madan? I don't know the story. I don't know them, but I know that it's a mounted lodge, uh, a hut keeper, yeah, and a guy working in a ski resort. So that's that's the same story as us. That's people, local people, who want to uh, to make a product on their on their time, uh, spare time. So they don't have spare time anymore. Yeah, I guess. but you're more people from the Moroni. We don't have spare time. You're always working. You're always doing projects. I think that's just passionate people, yeah. which is pretty cool. And uh, and uh, those guys in Modan, the young, uh, promising uh, two two guys. I just talked uh, with some other friends about them yesterday, and uh, looks like they're gonna be uh, doing some some cool stuff too. So so even in our valley, you see, we were saying that it's pretty quiet and and wild and remote, but uh, but we have some people uh, really trying to to make uh, original stuff. Yeah, I think there's there's a I don't know if they're new, but there's there's a, a couple of people who are trying to 
bring the Morian up a bit. And, you know, they're, they're breaking out the molds and trying to do things differently. Like you guys and Upgar, you and your brothers, Fred, with Upguides. Cedric's doing some great jobs with, with his mountain yeah, biking. Yeah. Jerome's doing some fantastic stuff with yes, gravel, gravel cycling. Yes. The food is coming up with the breweries and some local cheese makers. Yep. There are some guys really trying to do things different. You know what? I think it's exactly what I was saying uh, earlier. It's we our generation. I'm not saying that our parents didn't do uh, right stuff. They did awesome jobs at uh, developing the ski resorts and making the history of Morian, right? And working hard in the farms and stuff. But our generation, we've been traveling more than our parents. And we've been seeing stuff around and we bring back some ideas. And I think I'm not the only one traveling North Fred. Yeah. So so people traveling come back with ideas, trying to set up those ideas. And uh, more connection with people from outside of Morian too, which was not the same like uh, 40 years ago. So I think that's why people are so creative now, even in Morian. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's really cool. I think it was one of my questions I was going to ask you, but you have to leave the Morian to come and then come back to appreciate understand how how great it is here absolutely yeah there's a i hear a lot of people complaining about being here and i don't understand why but uh but now i understand because uh if if you go outside of Morian, you you appreciate the, the the value of the lifestyle you have here unless maybe if you stay here and i don't know maybe uh i don't know how to explain it's it's uh but i i'm for it worked for me. Yeah. Even even if I had a blast when I was a teenager here, at one point I thought, oh, well, I need to get to get out. Yeah. I even worked in Tarentaise for two years. Wow. No. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> and I learned a lot of my uh, ski guide uh, job in Tarentaise. Yeah. I can give them that because it was more busy, more opportunities to, um, to learn the, the proper job, how to ski off-piste with clients that I couldn't do here. And then I opened a ski school in Orel with yeah. more knowledge than uh, just a regular ski teacher. And nothing was existing here. Yeah, the off-piste here and the ski touring is pretty awesome, isn't it? It is. Has always been. And uh, yeah, and it's good because we have a good uh, good group of people and uh, and always someone to go skiing with. And, uh, but tell cool. me, like, I... S- I, you know, I'm an outsider and I, I see lots of ski films and I watch them and it's like, well, why can't there ski films here and big movies here? And why does everyone have to go to Chamonix? You can come here. I think it's, uh, it's, uh, I don't know. Maybe people from here doesn't really have the network and, uh, you know, to, to bring some people to make uh, films here. But, uh, but the up guides, they start to advertise with Pretty cool short movie yeah. with big brands and, and good skiers. Uh, but uh, for the rest, I don't know. It's a, it's a good question because when I'm in Canada and I speak about uh, and I speak about uh, the Alps with uh, with friends, they just tell me, "Oh, La Grave, Chamonix." Yeah. It's the only thing they have. Or oh, Val d'Isère, maybe yeah. you know. And that's boring because they don't. Uh, yeah, they don't travel to. It seems like they're afraid to travel to small places because. They are. Uh, they just follow advice from other people, over and over and over. Oh, go to go to La Grave. Yeah, there's so many Americans in La Grave and so many Swedish people. So you you don't feel even in France. Yeah, you don't right? feel like we're... no. But but would it be nice to to advertise and tell everybody to come here in 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 one shot? You know, maybe we would be exactly the same. Like so, I think it's good to be in between. Yeah. You we're know gonna, what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's we, not we, selfish. We, we, it's we just want like, more people to come. We just don't want the world to come. It's a bit selfish, yeah. but uh, but uh, it's maybe to preserve this uh, this this uh, spirit and this authenticity that uh, we we try to uh, to uh, to keep. But uh, but yeah, that's a tricky question. Yeah. Exactly. Let's bring it back to some local knowledge. Where's um, you told me your favorite place is to, is to ski is Valsigny. Yeah. Where you've got a favorite refuge, favorite mountain hut you'd like to visit. I used to uh, to uh, to be a hut keeper as well. So I Many will tell hats. you, yeah, I was a hut keeper uh, just above Bramont, Le Refuge d'Ambin. You know it. It's just uh, on the up way the planet, to, up to uh, Le Planet. Yeah, after Le Planet, yeah. exactly. I had the opportunity to keep this uh, this uh, this hut for four years. It was just an opportunity. So long story. So yeah. no need for details. But uh, that's my favorite because that's a small one. It's very. <laughs> 
away from uh, the circuit of the big lodges, the big refuge, which which is cool. I, I like them. I have yeah. nothing wrong with that. But uh, that was a small one. It was hard to make money. But uh, I never cooked for more than three people before having this hut. And uh, and at the time, uh, I had to do, do to do this <laughs> and to learn. What there was, was your... no diploma of hut keeper. Now there's a diploma. You have to go to school to wow, be a hut this keeper. Is fucking French need a diploma of everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's stupid. So now, when I had the opportunity to get this lodge, I didn't know nothing about uh, cooking, nothing about hut keeping, and I learned uh, the hard way, and I really enjoyed it. And now I, I cook, and I uh, and it's what was so, your. What was the dish you cooked up there? What was a special one for, for the? Oh, hut? we did some uh, some lasagna. Uh, twice a week lasagna. We did some pork stew with some polenta. Because I know the the, the brothers at uh, the pity mo- uh, yeah mo- sausage sausage and deal sausage and, and, and the, 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 polenta. the polenta yeah and I love it yeah and so, uh, so so that's my favorite lodge because I I I used to uh, to keep it and it's uh, in a in such a wild place compared to all the big lodge we have around the Valsini right. Tell those, some of the tell, explain to the listeners or those listening hopefully back in Australia and around the world that. What are the, the the refuges the mountain huts are because I hadn't been hadn't seen them in Australia so tell what they are and how you can experience them and enjoy them. Uh, basically, it's just like a place that you can sleep and eat and be warm when you are hiking or skiing in the mountains. It's simple as that. So. Yeah. Uh, most of them are. Uh, some of them have guardians, and some yeah, of them don't. Some have of guardians. them, most of them have guardians. Not all all year long. So you have part of the year with guardians. Part of the year, it's uh, it's off guard. So you have uh, just uh, maybe uh, half of the hut open to public, yeah. and the other half is closed. And uh, you have a kitchen, you have a stove, you have wood. Uh, it's not free. You have to pay a fee. And a lot, lot of people don't pay because nobody can control, so yeah. they just go. So it's a bit sad because we need money to maintain them and to. Uh, yeah, they're beautiful places. Yeah. and uh, there's two big uh, setup uh, uh, taking care of those uh, mountain dodge in France, the the Club Alpin Français, and uh, and the Parc de la Vanoise, for for instance, here in this area, and uh, they try to maintain them. They uh, they 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 look over. Uh, they look after the, those lodges and they put people to run them. Yeah. And uh, mine was yeah the, the one I used to uh, to keep was uh, was CAF Club Alpin Français. Right. So so yeah, you can go winter, summer, all year long. You can be with a lot of people. You can be alone. It's very random. It, it depends of the season you go hike in the mountains. Yeah. What's your uh, favorite season? Winter. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Tell me. Well, apart from the obvious, why? Uh, there's two obvious. It's because of skiing first, because I love uh, skiing. It's uh, the biggest part of my life, I would say. Maybe if you, if nowadays I have less time to do it. And I love snow. I love cold. I love shoveling snow in the morning to get my carrot. If any, if I'm swearing, yeah, <laughs> because I'm late. But uh, and the second one is because the flying is the most beautiful flying experience. I speak about Morian, right? Because uh, there's less wind. And uh, we put skis on the microlite on the planes, and uh, it's opening a lot of new runways because we can land uh, everywhere we want, uh, not dropping people. It's yeah. not heli ski. <laughs> I point that. No, and uh, and it's the the best flying ever because uh, because you have your skis, you land in the powder, you take off, and everything is white and quiet. So that's why that's uh, sure it's the the best season. I when you when you're flying up there, you look at oh that's a that'd be a nice ski run, and you, you, do you mark it on a map and save it for later, or tell your brother you get it, there's some good snow it's up there. A, it's a very good way to uh, to check new spots. But yeah, it's bizarre, but we don't really uh, we don't really use it. But uh, we could communicate way more with the guides or with some friends to go check some lines. But we don't really do it a lot because we're too busy. But um, I used it to make some uh, some photo for Valsony a few years ago that they needed for the ski patrols to make the quadrillage. You know the the, the map. Yeah. With the letter and uh, for the for the rescue, so we had to have some uh, actual map of of, uh, of the the results. So it's a very good way to have a view of uh, of the of the of the ski area. But yeah, for myself, of course, I'm uh, buzzing around and I and I can see that oh, there's no tracks here. Let's go there tomorrow. <laughs> so I'm a bit uh, I, I I'm a bit fortunate 
compared to other people that I can check some spots without hiking for hours yeah. and make sure that it's still a virgin. <laughs> uh, do you have a local pub here? A local pub? Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, we used to have some, but unfortunately, that's, I'm going to be very honest, I don't have a uh, I don't have a preference for any local pub nowadays because mm. all the place I used to love they they it's disappeared. Gone. So not that there's not no good place. I'm sure there is. You still uh, have a local. Just not a local. That's why we want to brew, to brew beer as well because we want to have a place that we can gather and speak about skiing and all the the good stuff and have uh, and have some uh, some cheese and have some uh, some some local beers. I think that's a good point. That something is missing, uh, maybe not in Valsony, because you guys are busier than us. Down yeah, the, the Howard is a bit of a pub. And yeah, the Howard, the uh, the Ver Van Set. Yeah, Ver Van Set. Right. Very cool guys. Uh, good, good, good burgers at the Howards, and uh, so yeah, you're right. Uh, but but uh, I'm not uh, going there really often because. No, in Germany uh, you got Luta is pretty good yeah. for a bar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just being uh, you know very honest that I. I want a place a bit different. Yeah. And uh, and and if I think about that right now, I can see some old place that doesn't exist anymore, which were really cool, and we want to recreate that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but yeah, Valsonis, they they have some awesome places for sure. So, if you bring your friends from Canada, or Fred brings his friends from Sweden, where do you take them here? To the supermarket to buy red wine. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a that's a good one. I'll tell you about that. No, but uh, I had many friends coming from Canada here, and uh, skiing is so expensive in Canada that uh, if they come in the winter, you just bring them to the ski resort, and the first day they uh, get their ski pass, they think it's a joke because they think it's uh, it's not yeah. expensive enough. And uh, so, uh, but but uh, I think most of it. It's to bring them to the old villages like Bonneval, like Besson, like uh, Ossois, because... Leco. Leco, exactly. Yeah. Because there's no culture of old buildings in Canada. So when they see a, a chalet in, uh, you know, in wood and with a lot of uh, stones and stuff, for them it's crazy because uh, they, uh, they're not used to, to see those uh, beautiful old villages. So that's... Uh, or the fortification, you know, like the one, the Barrière de l'Essayon. Yeah. So for people coming from uh, from those places, they really enjoy uh, hiking just as a tourist in the old village. I think it's they they it's sim simple joy to see some architecture very very much different than in Canada. In Canada, you don't have any old uh, building unless you go to it's a uh, Montreal. Young country. It's like Australia. There's nothing yeah, old in no. Australia. Or you go to Montreal. There's pretty beautiful old uh, buildings, but in a town, right? In there's no village. It doesn't exist a village yeah. notion in Canada so I don't tell my dad I live in a village no. <laughs> he doesn't know what it is he wants me to live in a big city like, no way <laughs> no way um, what's the what's the most French thing about you whining whining whinging complaining oh yeah 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 that's what everybody's saying I don't see that well, when I meet no, you no because uh, because you don't see me often <laughs> no I'm saying that because it's uh, you know it's uh I I found out that it's a big part of our uh, culture when yeah. you travel and you're in another country. Like I spend six months a year in Canada and people say, fuck, you're whining a lot. And uh, so I, <laughs> I start to, to be careful with that. But uh, so the so that's funny, but it's it's real. It's the most French thing I have. My girlfriend is from Romania. Yeah. So different culture. And since she lives here, she's it's not rude, but she said like pe French people are whining a lot. So that's maybe something we have and we don't really see because it's an everyday thing. But uh, we are arrogant and whining. I don't really see. Maybe because I'm I'm surrounding myself with I think some of the positive the positive locals here. But so that's a negative one. But if I can say a positive one, uh, really French thing that I have, I'm passionate about food. I can speak about food even after a huge dinner, which is totally uh, weird for. Uh, people from Romania or from Canada or from Sweden, when we spend time with the family, like with Fred, and uh, you can have a huge dinner. And as a French guy, you finish a huge dinner, you can't eat anymore, and you're like, oh, let's do a raclette tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and people are like, you, you fucking crazy <laughs> French guys. What's your favorite meal to cook here with for friends? Uh, risotto. 
Risotto? Risotto with mushrooms and uh, and uh, and uh, and ham. Not, yeah. a, not a tartiflette or a raclette or a fondue? It's too easy to make. I speak about cooking something, yeah. like spending a few hours in the kitchen. And risotto is pretty technical yeah, to do yeah. if you want to make it right. Yeah. Uh, pizza, but I suck at that, so I have to take... Uh, yeah, which is very easy. I have to take a lesson with, uh, with Seb. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, let's, finish, let's finish up and wrap it up uh, and, and go to the, the three questions I'd like to ask everyone. Let's... Um, Let's start with a story. I, I usually I try to ask my friends to tell me a story about being in the mountains. Have you, got, have you thought of a story you can share? Ah, there is so many. You're gonna have to uh, to stop recording. Oh, no, it's, no, it's uh, good. no. The the most recent one. Yeah, tell me that one. Yeah. Okay. I'm up in the Arctic, which is small mountains, but still mountains, and uh, and uh, I have to fly. Uh, to fly supply for another helicopter working in a very remote area on the east coast of the Baffin Island. And uh, I was the long time since I had this feeling. I uh, I landed beside him after three hours of flying. So I, I'm really alone with no, no communication whatsoever with nobody. I had to shut down my engine and I talked to the other helicopter pilot guy and he's flying away. He said, okay, see you tonight. And he's flying away. And uh, I'm... I'm setting up my supply for him for the next day and uh, takes time and uh, and it's midnight, full sun in the sky because it's summer yeah, there. Okay. I fly at night and uh, I had a feeling of loneliness, very strong and very powerful. Like I was no noise, there was some polar bears around probably. So that was a bit of a scary and very powerful loneliness feeling, but oh, a good loneliness yeah. feeling. Like... Uh, with these beautiful mountains around and just myself. And uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's my story about mountain that you can feel again to be uh, lonely and remote, yeah. very remote in some case. Yeah, good story. Yeah, short one, but good. Yeah. yeah. All right, the, the two, tricky, two, two hard questions, um, which follows on with what you said, but how do the mountains make you feel? How does it make you feel to be in the mountains? Uh, opportunities to be free of doing what I want. Yeah. That's simple as that. Like uh, I have me. many jobs uh, that uh, I can decide for myself. And, uh, and being from the mountains and working in the mountains, for me, it's like I've never been at work for my whole life. I've been doing... Uh, you know, like uh, stuff with friends, which is uh, pure luck because I never felt that I was going to work on Monday morning. Yeah. And that's my mountain uh, feeling. Yeah. I've got friends in Australia and I can't call them on a Sunday because Sunday is the day they don't talk because they know they've got to go to work on the Monday. Wow. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. And when you come to Friday afternoon, it's like, oh, Friday night, and then you just get blasted because you just – want to get away from work. Oh, yeah, all the steam off and yeah. yeah. You know what? I never had a Monday to Friday feeling. I don't know what it looks like. I had a one-year job full-time that I quit because, not because I didn't like it. It was still a mountain job. But uh, but I didn't like to have the schedule and to have this Sunday afternoon feeling or yeah. this Monday morning feeling. So I just quit because I want to wake up in the morning and not knowing what day it is. I don't care. Sunday, Monday, working, not working, days off, holidays. For me, I want to have this uh, freedom feeling uh, all year. And I think I worked hard to to get to the point where I, uh, yeah, I just, uh, for me, it's not uh, it's not even a job. Some days are harder yeah. than other, right? It's not dreamland every day, but, uh, but it doesn't feel like a regular job, yeah. which is cool. And my last question is, what do the mountains teach you about life? Or what has flying t- t- taught you about life? Uh, uh, that's, a, that's a tricky question. Uh, teach you to be, uh, to be very, uh, yeah, very serious about what you're doing because there's no place for error in all the jobs we do in the mountains. It, it looks fun. It is fun. But uh, teach you to be very... Uh, respectful with uh, with the decision you make and uh, I think that's a big one it's just uh, 
anything you do in the mountains uh, can have consequences and uh and you just uh and maybe when you're like me a bit you know like uh, i'm not a serious guy very organized but when i do stuff i am serious and organized yeah. and then yeah i go for a beer on friday <laughs> <laughs> or wednesday but yeah that's that's pretty much what i can beautiful uh, emo- uh powerful uh, emotions and feelings doing the, the job or the outdoors we do in the mountains but uh strictness yeah all right, that's a nice way to wrap it up. Now, if anyone comes and they want to go flying with you, where can they find you here in the Morian? They uh, they come to uh, Solier Airfield. So Solier is one of the of the five villages of Valsony. And it's a pretty small, windy road that everybody gets lost to find the... Uh, no, it's the, easy. <laughs> the I, don't know I can tell you, people are calling me on the phone when I'm flying like, hey, I can't find it. <laughs> Because it's the small road, you know, yeah, going know through, road. yeah. So yeah, Solier Airfield, uh, you can Google it. It's uh, it's uh, it's on the maps. We have some Facebook pages about our little association. And what's the name of the association? Morien, like the valley. Yeah. U-L-M, U-L-M, dot winter, because it's the most uh, busy time. So we have a page with all the pictures and the flying we do. And uh, that's my uh, phone number on it. So uh, Morien Ultralight Winter. Yeah. Exactly. More in ULM. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we spend uh, a lot of time there. Me and all my colleagues uh, flying uh, some other uh, funky uh, machines. So, so we you you can find us, uh, us uh, over there. All right. Well, thanks for coming to the show, and I hope we get uh, lots of people come to the Morian and go flying with you. My pleasure. That was very fun. Thanks, mate. So that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to hear more stories from beyond the mountains, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find me on Apple iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Please leave a comment and review. It helps with people to find the show. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond the Mountains Podcast. So please like and follow the show. And remember, the mountains are more than just rock and ice, but the mountains are made up of the people who live, work, and play in them. <laughs>